Welcome back to Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650, presented to you by your local Grip Auto and Tire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. Satyar Shaw with Jamie Dodd. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. We are always open to your suggestions, your comments. You're taking some heat, Sat. And your critique. <laughs> We always take your critique. I, I, I mean, uh, this text, I wonder who it's coming from. Number one, I wonder if this person is related to A, Josh Elliott Wolf, or number two, uh, this person is a person that has worked in radio before or has been a producer, yes. potentially. And three, do people think I'm some sort of an animal? Like, do I seem like some sort of like a bad teammate that would, you know, chew somebody Just out? Just tear into Josh. I was <laughs> crying in the break. <laughs> it doesn't take much to make Josh cry, though. He's a mental. He's a very gentle little. I'm soul. in touch with my emotions. <laughs> yes. A gentle little soul. There you go. You got to make that your Twitter bio now, Josh. <laughs> gentle little soul. So the text here says, "Don't shoot the producer any shade." Sat too late. Uh, your pauses <laughs> were long and hanging there, not their fault for an early commercial play. So uh, Josh said, it "Got in my ears. Like, Did you see this text before?" He's like, "I don't know who that's from. That person's my hero." So. <laughs> Hey, somebody's got to stick up for the producers out there, all right? So, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I anytime that the text we get texts like critiquing our performance in the same way somebody would like critique, you know, I don't know, JT Miller for a bad back check in OT or something. Like I love that energy. So, keep keep it coming. I'm all about that. Yeah, that, that's terrific. I love it. All right. But I I'd never get mad at Josh Elliott Wolf. No. How could, he's so gentle. How could you? <laughs> you can't get mad at gentle, gentle little soul. soul. <laughs> a gentle little soul. <laughs> Just like a delicate little baby bird. It's Josh Elliott Wolf. Little flower that could. Found a way to sprout and have success. All right. Uh, it's Friday, and that means this text hashtag I stand with Josh. It's a movement. It's, it's a- it is. Yeah. You love to see it. Uh, we love doing the Friday mailback. We have Patrick Alvine coming up, Canucks General Manager, at the top of the next hour, hour two of Canucks Central. But it's time to get into the mailbag. Uh, so first question, we'll start with some on-ice ones. Harp Sama, is Alex, Ch- Alex Chason the new Brock Besser? I mean, I'm going to go on a limb <laughs> and say no. <laughs> Listen, I'm all for the Chason hype. But let's let's, let's tone it down let's a minute. Let's pump the brakes like, I'm a all bit. for hyping Chase on in relation to guys like Louis Erickson. Yes, and like I'm, I'm yes. all for that like stupid you know hype that means nothing. But let's let's get real. I'm trying but, I'm trying to think who Alex Chase on could be the new version of. I don't know, but definitely not Brock Besser. Until yeah. uh, until Alex Chase on matches uh, Brock Besser's flow, he's he's not getting that title. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Alex Chase on is one of a kind. <laughs> uh, Bruce Boudreaux's flow is the person sending this in. What role do you think Pod Colson will play on the team next year? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, considering how the team might trend, and let's just assume for a moment they do they do take a bit of a step back. I could see him getting a you know top six role next season, being the third guy on a line. Like, could you see him potentially playing alongside Patterson? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Or or Bo Horvat. I mean, yeah. I think he's going to be in the mix for a top six position. It would surprise me if the Canucks go into training camp next year with four wingers who are kind of clearly above Pod Colson in the yeah. pecking order, right? Just because we know there could be movement. So I think at the very least, he's not going to be gifted a top six spot, I don't think, or guaranteed one, but he's going to be right in that mix, and I think he'll have an opportunity to earn one early in the season. Uh, next from Dom is Luke Shen, the next captain of your Vancouver Canucks. 
again. We got some real easy ones here uh, today. I, I love the hype, but no. No. <laughs> I love the hype. I saw the Canucks had the uh, uh, poll, uh, fan poll out asking who the unsung hero of the season is. And I, I looked at it and Luke Shen was winning in a runaway. I think Luke Shen has been extremely praised this year. I'm not I'm not sure he fits the billing for unsung. And I know we kind of have this debate every year, but look, he's he's played really well and he's gotten a lot of attention. But if you're getting tons of attention for playing well, can you really be an unsung hero? I'm not sure. But he's also not going to be the next captain. No, he's not. It's just not going to happen. Discount Dracula have Bo Horvat or JT Miller scored themselves out of the Canucks' future plans. Uh, JT... Maybe. Uh, Bo, no. No, I don't think Bo has. I think there's a decent chance that JT Miller has. I, I mean, you've talked about it. They're going to try to get him signed. I am skeptical that the number they're comfortable with will be a number that JT Miller will accept. So I think JT yeah. Miller might have. Bo, I still think there's a deal that both sides would be happy with there. Yeah, that's kind of the way I see it, too. I mean, the number could work potentially, but it really, like, the Canucks going to, you know, they have a number in mind, and you're right. It may not be what JT Miller is really looking for. Whereas with Bo, I think there's a contract that works. And again, with Bo, like, great. 30 goals, terrific, right? And you give him a lot of credit in how he's played. But I don't think him scoring 30 has really changed our outlook of him and how he's projected to play and what he's done in his career so far as a player. Like, we knew he was a goal-scoring centerman that probably can get anywhere for 25, potentially 30 goals, and he got that this year. Uh, into some off-season questions. There's a few that are pretty similar, so I'm going to combine them from InfoKid, Gein, and Nux 72 uh, What probability would you put on trading each of the following players? So there's JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Connor Garland, Tyler Myers, Brock Besser, Tanner Pearson, Tucker Poole. Ooh, all right. Um, ooh. Okay, uh, so... Looking at all those players, combining those questions, right? So I think Miller, Besser, and Garland, ooh, I'd say at least one of those guys goes. I'm going to say, if we're talking probability for JT Miller, so let's, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to start with an e- the easiest one. Bo Horvat, I'm going to say like 5% chance. Very, very, very slim chance for me okay. that Bo Horvat is traded this, right. this summer. So I, I hear you say that. I heard Friedman and Merrick talk about this as well and how you know they don't think so either. And, and listen, the, the number I'm putting out doesn't mean he's likely to get traded, but I think it's higher than 5%. I All put right. it at you know, maybe 30%. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm going to go high with JT Miller, though. I'm going to go... 70% chance that JT Miller is traded this offseason. Right. 70. I think, you know, I- I'd say the number of JT, I'd put it at about maybe 60%. I'm okay. just not as sure on Like, again, I'm, I'm a bit unsure on it. Besser, I'd probably put at 40% chance he gets traded. Garland, that, that 50-50. That feels roughly, yeah. Garland, about 50-50. What about who? So, okay, Garland, 50-50, JT, 60. What about Myers? Oh, I put that at about high 70 yeah, Pullman. I mean, you, I mean, he's 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 as long as he's dealing with what he's dealing with, that's not happening. Yeah. It just, he's just, nothing's happening. Pearson's with a really interesting one too because you, th- I don't know because he, his performance this year might have increased his market, but his salary is not nearly as onerous as somebody like you know Tyler Myers. So do they right. just kind of look at it and say, you know what, he's a useful player, we'll just keep him around? I think that's part of it, and he can still fit in, and the salary works out, and all that stuff. Depending on your ambition next year, though, but I think that with how he's played, they might be tempted because somebody might be offering them something decent. And I don't mean like a high value draft pick, but like 
you're like, oh, you know what? I can move off this money and get something back yeah. in return. That might be hard to turn down. So I'll put Pearson at 60%. And the, the other part of that question, the, the over-under number of roster players traded this offseason at 2.5, I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over. Pretty easily there. Yeah. All right. UBC Wheelie, who should the Canucks get for Pedersen or are just draft picks fine? <laughs> I mean, it's just not happening. And the only way I trade Pedersen is if you're getting, like, a Barzal back. You know what I mean? Like a one for one for a young stud, yeah. very similar. Like you, you're just not going to win a trade getting draft picks. Back. I was, I was actually kind of trying to do this exercise. And look, I have never ever been a proponent of the idea of trading Elias Pettersson. I think he is an absolute must keep. But just because people keep bringing it up, I, I kind of did the exercise of trying to go through the league and like, is there actually a single plausible candidate? It would make sense, and it's really hard to find another player roughly the same age with the same upside that the other player's team hasn't already given them a big deal, yeah. right? Or hasn't already committed to them. It's like, like th one guy. Those players don't really exist. So who are you trading them for? It, it's it's a guy I mentioned, Barzal. Yeah. That's the only guy because he's also on a bridge deal, right? He hasn't signed a long-term contract and similar age range, right? Similar money, superstar level talents, young guys. Again, I'm not sitting here saying you should make that type of trade. That's the only type of trade I could see making sense for Elias Pettersson, and that's not going to be happening. Yeah, no, I, I just, happening. there's no logical, there, there's no reason to really explore it in the first place, and there's no logical candidate if you did try to explore and it. And even really. Barzell, maybe the others don't want to trade him. Just no. saying, like, you know, hey, would I consider something like that? Hey, gun to your head, you got to move him. What would you consider? That's yeah. what I would consider. No, I, would, I wouldn't do that deal, though. But still, I mean, you can uh, easily make the case that you'd rather have Pettersson. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would rather have Pettersson right now than Matt Barzell. I, I, I don't think that's a that's a reach. Barzell's a great player. I, I get that, but I think I would rather have Pedersen. So, w where's the candidate out there? That's ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, MK, will the Canucks look into a one-year tank for Connor Bedard or a superstar prospect, and then flip the switch for 2024 and get a playoff appearance then? Well, I think the uh, tank is not happening, and. I just don't think it's going to happen that they go that deep. I guess it's possible, but they themselves have said, you know, they're, they're not looking to, you know, strip it down necessarily. And if you're not stripping it down, and even if you have Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, and that's, Thatcher Demko, it's going to be really hard for you to, thing. to be, I mean, like, Bedard bad. Look at how bad they were to start the season and where they're going to finish in the standings, right? Yeah. Because when you have those three players, and as soon as Elias Patterson started playing well, in addition to Demko and Hughes, it becomes really, really hard to tank to that level. Like, even if they did a complete strip down beyond those three guys and let's say Horvat, you would have to go out of your way to make the rest of the roster as bad as possible and it still might not be enough because you have those players. And as much as, you know, OEL has, you know, not performed to the level of his contract, which is 7.26 million per year, he's still a quality top four defenseman. And he's going to be here no matter what next season. So you still have some foundational pieces that are here. They're going to at least help you tread water, right? Yeah. And by tread water, I'm not even saying being in the playoff race, but like maybe being a 500 team, yes. 80 points, 82. And that's not going to be enough for you to win the sweepstakes unless you get massive lottery luck, right? So I don't see them tanking next year, but I do see them taking a step back next year. Yeah, that's totally possible. But the idea of strategically trying to tank to get Connor Bedard and then planning to flip the switch the year after that, I don't see it happening. T. Blanc, any updates on Brandon Sutter? Well, uh, nothing new except for the update we had a couple months ago and, you know, Murph had it when we were, we were on the panel that uh, he is back to skating and, and exercising and he's feeling a lot better with the hopes of resuming his career next year. He's not going to be playing with the team this season unless something changes. That doesn't look like it's going to be the case with, you know, 10 games yeah. remaining on the season. But he is not ready or hasn't been ready yet to call it quits. 
So uh, we'll see what happens this offseason, how he feels. But I think the goal is for him to try to keep playing next year, too. Yeah, and I mean, fingers crossed, purely from a just a personal perspective, yeah. right, that Brandon Sutter is able to do that. Uh, one more before I go to the text line here. Ted Smallpiece, is Bruce Boudreaux safe, or are they really considering a guy who burned out on coaching to lead the team next year? I, just, I assume that's Paul Maurice. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm not – I see the Maurice stuff. I'm not sure how much I buy it. Like, I, I've heard nothing to suggest that – that's something that is really seriously being considered. That's not to say that, you know, it's not a name that's on a list. That's not to say that if they're considering other options, he's not amongst those candidates. I have no reason to believe, at least as of now, that he's a leading candidate or that he's going to get serious consideration. That I'm not sure if they move off from Boudreaux, that Maurice is the guy they go after. Maurice doesn't seem to make a ton of sense to me from either party's perspective, right? Like from the Canucks. If you're, if part of the reason you would theoretically move on from Boudreaux is he's not the right coach for a, a younger kind of retooling team. Well, is Paul Maurice that guy? I, I don't think so. And from Maurice's perspective, as the texture said, you know, he stepped away from coaching this year. Is that the kind of situation he wants to come back into, right? Where the team isn't necessarily going to be competitive for a Stanley Cup for, for a couple of years. So I don't know. I mean, anything's possible. Obviously, him and Rutherford have a relationship, but it doesn't seem like if you if I was to brainstorm candidates that would make sense to take over for Boudreaux, I don't think Paul Maurice would be in my top five. And obviously, you should not underestimate Rutherford's influence. But what we've talked about a lot this week, and Friedman and Merrick talked about this too on the thir- on uh, the Merrick show on the 32 Thoughts podcast, that Alvin really does have a lot of say yeah. here. He's the GM. So the decision on the next head coach is more going to be from management, Alvin and management team, than I think it's going to be from Rutherford. I don't think Rutherford's going to be like, this is my guy. Yeah. You guys hire him. So Rutherford might suggest, hey, what about Maurice? But I don't think he's going to come in and say, oh, by the way, you're hiring Paul yeah. Maurice. I don't think, based on everything we're seeing, that's not how it's going to run. And the guy that would make that decision on, or the link to Vancouver with Maurice is a Rutherford connection. So I'm just not sure that really is, again, it might happen, who knows, because we don't really have a direct line of management. We can't really predict what's going to happen, but that's just my sense of the coaching situation. Uh, to the text line, got to comb through all these I stand with Josh texts. Um, <laughs> this one unsigned. Who do you think is a better player, Pod Colson or Hoaglander? Who's going to be better, Pod Colson or Hoaglander? For me, it's Pod Colson has yeah. more upside because of the – the physical gifts that he has over Hoaglander. I think Hoaglander probably has a skill advantage, pure skill advantage, but as far as translatability, probably Hulk, uh, put Coles in still. Yeah. I'd love to disagree with you, but I can't. I think in terms of driving play, potentially being a kind of an all-situations guy, Pud Colson has more upside. Uh, so this one from Deedlebug53. Thoughts on this? Stop the season at 80 games, 7th place in the conference, hosts 10th Eighth host, ninth, have a one game play in for the two wild card spots. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of a play in tournament like the NBA does. I think you're still playing the full 82 games, right? Because the rest of the teams don't want to lose those dates. Uh, you know, it would only be one home date, but still. So I think I have no problem with a play in tournament. I do like also in that format, it would really mean. It would make the divisions mean a little bit more, right? Because if you finish in the top three in your division, you're you're out of the wild card danger zone for the play-in tournament. And yeah, why not? Get creative. There would be super fun games. A little tournament gives gives the uh, playoff teams a chance to rest before they get into the swing of it. I have no problem with it. Yeah, I love the idea of having a wild card play-in. 
You know what I mean? I love to have that. Like, even if it's one game or three game series, like even one game playoff, love it. I mean, eight, nine, who cares, right? Again, like people are like, well, you earned the playoff spot. If you're an eight seed team, you barely got in. You you're not you don't deserve, no. you know, the world or this assurance. So I'm all for having a play in. McJesus also has a question about playoffs. Uh asks, do you like the current format as a whole and do you think it's unfair with the way it's currently set up? I don't think it's unfair. I don't know about unfair. I think there are years where it ends up being unfair. I don't I've never no. liked the divisional I, I format. I, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair at all. I mean, if you can't make the playoff bar, you weren't good enough. Oh, that that's not my problem. My problem is more when there are two really good teams in the same division, right? And they're going to run into each other around early. It's not the biggest deal, but I also just I think it's kind of the NHL. To me, it was the NHL trying to fix something that wasn't broke. Yeah, like was it extent. really was it really messed up before they went to this format? No, and, it was. But they you know what I mean? The the rivalries, right? I get to some yeah, extent. Uh, I know what I mean. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's unfair. I mean, you got to be good teams to get out there, right? And if things don't break for you, they don't break for you. It's it's having success the, in the postseason. On the list of problems in the NHL, it's not particularly high up there. But I wasn't a fan of it when it started. And if they went back to the old format or switched, you know, just conferences 1 to 8 a whole league 1 to 16 whatever I wouldn't have a problem with that either away from hockey Leaf Rolene which Blue Jays pitcher will get the most Cy Young votes this year Barrios Gosman or Manoa Ooh. and also says we already know Vladdy will win the MVP oh I mean now we were talking let's go well I know we were talking about uh, Shohei Otani we had a question overrated underrated and the season he's going to have this year and you know I'm not fading Otani but I'm like I'm not sure I'm giving him uh, I don't think he's going to replicate the season he had, so I think that opens up the door for Vladdy to be MVP if he has a similar year and stays healthy all season long. I, I mean, the sexy pick is Gosman, right? Because yeah. he kind of comes in and, you know, if he makes adjustments, kind of similar to the Ray thing, he pitched so well for the Giants last year. But my guess would be Berrios, because I think he is really relishing the opportunity here after being here, signing a big extension, to become this team's ace, right? And I think... Uh, with how well Barrios prepares and how he's now working with this staff here too, that's the guy I'm betting on. That Barrios, if, if one guy's getting the most Cy Young votes in that yeah. staff, that it's going to be Barrios. I think I'm going to lean Gosman. I want to say Manoa, but he it, Manoa might end up being the best on a per inning basis. But as a young guy, I don't know if they're going to get he's going to get the innings uh, to really challenge for the Cy Young. But uh, I'll go with Gosman. I, I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the Gosman one. Manoa is just so much risk, and it, it's basically yeah. a feast. It could be feast or famine, yeah. right? For a young pitcher, I mean, he can have this massive year, and maybe he does get Cy Young votes, or you never just, know, you know, right? But struggles. his his stuff is outrageous. Just control it. Make sure you control it. Uh, this one. Craving Persian food this weekend. Any recommendations, Seth? Oh, all right. So um, I saw this one earlier. And depends on where you want to go, right? Because if you want to go to the North Shore, you have uh, tons of uh, different options to do, right? Now, if you're looking at um, downtown, Cosbon down in downtown isn't too bad. Um, there's a, a new one I haven't tried on West Broadway, too, called Sahel. I haven't been to, but apparently it's really good. So those are the two suggestions I make in downtown. But if you want to go to the North Shore... Well, you got p- plenty of options. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that one to you, Sat. I'm not, I'm not gonna weigh in here. Uh, AJ Hogg, DC versus Marvel. Ooh. So, um, 
I used to be, I, I think I, I enjoy DC more generally as far as Batman and stuff goes. Yeah. But I think the Marvel Universe has done a better job than the DC Universe I like, as far as movies. I, I don't anymore. I used to read comic books fairly regularly and I liked DC comics more, but the Marvel movies are superior overall to the DC movies. So there you go. All right. I think the peak of DC movies, like Dark Knight, yeah, is yeah, yeah. higher than Marvel yes, movies. Yes, that's fair. But the overall quality. There's some real stinkers, though. <laughs> some real bad ones. There yeah. are some bad ones. Uh, semi-related, uh, does Jamie think Star Wars is overrated because it's too damn long? Okay, so I said that about Scarface. Scarface, Star Wars is only two hours, 120 minutes, the original. Scarface is 170 minutes. That's almost almost an hour difference. So yes, one is too long, the other is not too long. In general, most movies are too long. I would say that. See, but, I, I used to when I was younger, I used to look at movies to rent. I'm like, it's got to be two hours. I want to watch a you know a good long movie. Now it's like, get that under two hours. Get that not, to 90 minutes. Like 90, go. 95. Oh, I love it. Oh, I know. Anything over two hours, you better have a really good reason for being over two hours. Okay, last question. B. Reynolds, will the new Black Star album be any good? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to bet against uh, most Death and Talib quality, so no. I'm going to say it's The be original good. is uh, a Stone Cold classic. And it's a masterpiece. Been a little bit of a, uh, a hiatus here, but as you said, I'm not going to bet against this. I'm not going to bet against it. No. Now, it might be hard to replicate It's not going to be though. that, because as you said, that's a masterpiece. That's like in the, you know, in the Hall of Fame for rap albums, but it, it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Love it. All right, uh, that concludes the mailbag for today. Uh, we are going to get out right because in hour two, we have Canucks General Manager Patrick Alvine on the show right here on Canucks Central.